This is Scott, host of the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast and Black author. You could get all three of my books. My first book, Systematic Racism and Capitalism, Alliance of Oppression. My second book, Hypocrisy in America, The Veil of White Supremacy. And my third book, my first novel, Exodus 2035, all available on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can download the Kindle app to your smartphone or tablet, and you can access those products. Thanks for listening. Um, don't forget you and you network. You can find that on Instagram, you and you underscore network, where you can find all the shows uh, under the you and you network. Shout out to the you and you network. You know what I'm saying? And all those podcasts that's on you and you network. Think for the you and you network. The head brothers at you and you network. You can check out the socials at you a n d u underscore network all the brothers from brooklyn will you raise your hand thank you all the brothers from manhattan will you raise your hand all the brothers from the bronx will you raise your hand Man is first. Uh-huh. I wanna say peace to the gods and the earth. Hey. My universal fan, yes. living out the universal plan. Uh-huh. Hey yo, tell them who I am. Original man is first. I wanna say peace to the gods and the earths. My universal fam, living out the universal plan. Hey yo, tell them who I am. Welcome back to the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. We starting this show in the spirit of peace. Peace of the original man, peace of the original woman, peace of the gods and earth. Everybody should be following me on Instagram at unprocess underscore knowledge. Click the link tree in my bio. Holiday season is here. Cyber Monday is upon us. The shopping season is upon us. Everybody, you can find all three of my books at Amazon.com. Systemic Racism and Capitalism. Alliance of Oppression, Hypocrisy in America, The Veil of White Supremacy, and my first novel, Exodus 2035, available in paperback form or Amazon Kindle, all available on Amazon.com. As I previously said, click the link tree in my bio to find the links to all three of those books, or you can go straight to Amazon and find them. Everybody also should be following the UNU Network on Instagram, U-A-N-D-U underscore network. Follow all the shows. Hit the like button, subscribe, listen, download, delete, all that good stuff we've talked about previously. If you're new to the show, welcome new listeners to the show. Glad to have you. I'm going to take my time with this one. A lot I want to talk about. I purposely held off on recording until until the verdicts of the Kyle Rittenhouse case in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the Ahmaud Arbery case down in Georgia, Brunswick, Georgia, were announced. So I got, we gonna get there. If you heard my previous show, Critical Race Theory, I pretty much broke down my feelings about both trials. But now that the verdict is in, we can talk about the verdicts and how things went, what that means. But first, I got a few things on the on, on, on the slate. 
we got to get into, guys. Now, I don't watch a ton of television. I don't watch a whole lot of movies. But I did see The Harder They Fall on Netflix. Shout out to Separate the Two. You know, I look forward to my two's reviews. You know, when, when, when the two's say a movie is a, much wa- a must watch, I definitely got to check it out. But The Harder They Fall was actually on my on my, on my watch list. I just hadn't had a chance to get around to it. So I watched the movie. I thought it was a great movie. I thought the movie was good. All-star cast, great acting, very fast pace. It was funny where it needed to be funny. It was a two-hour movie, but it didn't feel like two hours. So that's how I judge whether how really how good a movie is. If it's a two-hour or, you know, if it's a long movie and when I watch it, it really don't feel like I was watching it that long, that means the movie was good because it kept my attention and the story kept rolling. So there hasn't been there hasn't been an all-black cowboy movie. Now, I got a little age on me. Back in the early 90s, 92 and 93, Mario Van Peoples uh, directed a movie called, and starred in, a movie called Posse. That was a black cowboy movie. That was a pretty good movie. I would say that you cannot get your history from Hollywood because, or even before Hollywood, images have been used to confuse people. They've been doing this back since when you know they painted Jesus uh, white. All right, they they used to use paintings to confuse people. We can even take the religious aspect out of it if you're a history buff. A lot of those European kings and queens that we see paintings and portraits of, some a lot of those were touched up to make them look a little less fat or a little taller or a little more muscular or, you know, a, a little more voluptuous or cover up some of their some of their blemishes. Right. Before they had an Instagram filter, they had a paintbrush. So <laughs> images have always been used to confuse people. And what. Hollywood does it does a good job of whitewashing history I know everybody's seen the Ten Commandments movie well if you got a little age on me we definitely all watched that Ten Commandments movie around Easter time right but Moses all the Hebrews all the Egyptians Cleopatra played by Elizabeth Taylor everybody was white right Tom Cruise made a movie called The Last Samurai right with, with Tom Cruise was, was The Last Samurai and he over there you know Samurai better than Asian samurais. <laughs> you watch these cowboys movie, cowboy movies or, or, or westerns, if you've seen them before, it's all a bunch of white folks, all a bunch of white cowboys and all the Indians, you know, got may have a little color to them or, or the Indians or from back in the day were white people with, with body paint on to make them look a little darker. But in reality, there were black cowboys now in case you didn't know cowboys didn't just walk around robbing banks you know shooting people <laughs> and drinking all day the job of the cowboy was actually to raise cattle to work with his hands to 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 work on ranches to work out in the fields those type of things now those are jobs that black folks were doing black folks were working in the fields they were working with cattle they knew how to work the land. They knew how to grow crops. They knew how to build, right? They know how they knew how to build farms. They they knew how to how to build houses, how to build ranches. 
a lot of folks may not know this, but back when we were in bondage, those slave quarters that you see down on these plantations, all those slave quarters were actually built by the slaves. And on many plantations, the houses, those big elaborate houses that you see, those plantation homes, those were built by the slaves, too. So the slaves did all the work. They did all the field work. They did all the manual labor. They knew how to work with their hands. So when you come to territories that did not have slavery in the Midwest and even shortly right after the Civil War, where slavery was disbanded in the United States, those were jobs black folks were doing. So naturally, they were black cowboys. Another thing was before America expanded westward, a lot of territories were considered Indian territories. They actually touched on this in the movie. We're going to get back to the movie in a second. What a lot of people don't realize, Indian territories weren't states at the time. All right, A lot of the Midwest and the West were carved out of what was considered Indian territory at the time. Those were just territories where Native Americans were living at at the time. All right. The, uh, the United States government had pushed Native Americans into the Midwest and further west. So a large po- population of the Native American tribes still occupied those territories. And back then, the Native Americans were on code. Once they saw a white person, it was on site. If a white person gets caught in the Native American territories by the wrong tribe, they would blow their faces off. But it was a lot easier for black people to move and shake amongst the Native American tribes because they weren't white. So they would have an easier time moving and shaking. Many black people at the time were either part Native American or Native American themselves. So a lot of black folks at the time actually spoke the language. They kind of touched on this in the movie a little bit with Cherokee Bill. Another thing they don't tell you, but we won't, you know, dig too deep down into it. A lot of Native Americans were actually very, very dark skinned people. A lot of times Caucasian people could not tell black people and Native American people apart because we had we shared the same skin tone. A lot of us, which goes back to the theory that a lot of black people were already here and classified and misclassified as African when we were really Native American. But we we can dig down into that science later. Now, back to the movie. We can dig down into that science later. If you ever seen the movie The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio, that's that's pretty much a, a Western but remember, in the, in, if you've never seen the movie, right, I'm going to give you some spoilers. I mean, the movie came out in like 2018, 2017, so you should have seen it by now. Leonardo DiCaprio, his son is half Native American. I believe Leonardo DiCaprio's wife is full, is a Native American woman, so their son is, is, is biracial. He's half white, half Native American. And they get attacked by a Native American tribe in the pacific northwest because they're they're fur trappers so they're out there they're they're trying to get furs and a tribe in the native american northwest attacked them all the white people started calling the native american tree niggas this is in the beginning of the movie they call them tree niggas right if you didn't catch that i caught it now the harder they fall the story is fictional but all the characters are real. So that's really what I like about it. It gives people a chance to Google the characters, get a little bit more research, see who they were and what they did. That's good stuff. 
um, if the character Bass Reeves in the movie The Holiday Fall, he's actually he he was a lawman. They based the TV show The Lone Ranger after Bass Reeves in the TV show The Lone Ranger, played by a white man. The Lone Ranger walks around catching bad guys, saving the day, and he has a partner that's a Native American. In real life, the Lone Ranger was based off Bass Reeves, who was a black man, and the Indian was actually his half-brother. Like I said, can't get your history from Hollywood because they will whitewash everything. But I did think the movie was good. Um, a couple Easter eggs that I caught, and I don't know if a whole lot of people caught this. I'm, I'm not going to give any spoilers but if you haven't seen the movie by now, I'm, I'm going to give you a few Easter eggs. In the beginning of the movie, Regina King has, she stops the train. When she stops the train, she's wearing a coat. You never see her wear this coat again in the movie. That coat is actually a Union Army coat. That's a Union Army coat. When they get on the train, all the soldiers on the train are Confederate soldiers. So that's that's a little Easter egg there, right? That's a comparison of the North fighting the South. Also, in the movie, they go to a certain town. A few times. I'm trying not to give anything away. But in this town, there's one building that stands out. And they, they keep showing it. They show it at least three or four times. But it's in the background. You really got to be paying attention to, to see it. This building is painted red, black, and green. A, a lot of people may not have caught that. I caught it. And there's one there's one thing that's kind of obvious. It's just funny. There's a part in the movie where they go to like to all white town and everything is white. Every, even the dirt, the dirt is white. The dirt is white. All the buildings are white. <laughs> like everything is just white. So that was, you know, that that was just humorous. But I saw the movie. I liked the movie. Um, two's reviews didn't didn't let me down check the movie out if you haven't seen it i think it's a really good movie strong acting great cast great story the story is fictional but all the characters are real they took some liberties with some of the characters if you let me tell you <laughs> stagecoach mary the real life stagecoach mary didn't look nothing like that light-skinned sister that they had playing her but you know it's it's still a movie but the movie was good the movie was good hopefully they make a sequel Everybody check that out. So from Hollywood's perspective of the harder they fall, that talked about, you know, black cowboys. And we talked about the ties between black briefly talked about the, the relationships between black people in America and what they classify as Native American. Let's shift to a real life story about Native American children. 102 died at Native American boarding school in, a, in Nebraska. Reacher, researchers say they have uncovered the names of 102 Native American students who died at the federally operated boarding school in Nebraska. The Omaha World Herald reports that the discovery comes as ground-penetrating radar has been used in recent weeks to search for a cemetery once used by the school that operated in Genoa from 1884 to 1934. So far, no graves have been found. The, the Genoa School was one of the largest in a system of 25 
federally run boarding schools for Native Americans. The dark history of abuse at the school is now under subject of a nationwide investigation. So here's what happened. Between the years of 1884 and 1934, they would force the children of Native American tribes to go to one of these 25 federally run boarding schools. What was the purpose of these boarding schools? To Europeanize these Native American children, to strip them of their native culture, their native language, their native ways as much as possible, and try to Europeanize them. At this one boarding school in Nebraska, well over a hundred children died. Now, they say they died from disease like tuberculosis or you know, they caught a fever, they accidentally drowned. They died under very suspicious pretenses. And mind you, this school has been shut down since 1934. So the, these Native American tribes are trying to uncover the truth, trying to figure out what really happened to these children. There have has actually been books written about this, about these Board, federally run boarding schools for Native American children and all the abuse that went on there. I suspect that all these young children didn't die from tuberculosis. I suspect they, they, they weren't drowning accidents. I suspect, you know, it wasn't a COVID you know, oh, not COVID. I, I suspect it wasn't a, you know, somebody caught a fever and outbreak just went through school and all these children ended up dying. I suspect that the people at these school were killing these kids. That's what I suspect. What I'll keep my eye on this story. Who knows what the truth will be? If they are able to locate these graves, if they're able to locate these bodies, I'm not sure what type of medical research can be done since so much time has lapsed to try to uncover whether or not these children passed away from from sickness or natural causes. I suspect they all passed away from abuse. You really don't hear stories about white boarding schools where, you know, a bunch of kids went to this white boarding school and a hundred of them just died out the blue. Nowhere. Mm. Looky, looky there. You know, the tuberculosis was rough this year. Lost a hundred kids. Maybe, maybe next year things will be better. You, You don't hear stuff like that. It's never a mystery. Let's move on into the exoneration of the men who killed Malcolm X. Uh, I was in a house last night that was bombed, my own, but I didn't, it didn't destroy all my clothes at all, but you know what happens when fire dashes through, they get smoky. The only thing I could get my hands on before leaving was what I have on now. And uh, it, wasn't, it isn't something that made me lose confidence in what I'm doing, because my wife understands, and I have children from this size on down and even in their young age they understand i think they would rather have a father or brother or whatever the situation may be who will take a stand in the face of any kind of reaction from narrow-minded people uh, rather than to compromise and later on have to grow up in shame and in distress New York judge has exonerated two men convicted in the assassination of Malcolm X in the Audubon Ballroom in Harlem, February 21, 1965. 
This came after the Manhattan District Attorney's Office and the Innocence Project conducted a nearly two-year investigation that uncovered key evidence was withheld at the trial of the two men, 83-year-old Mohammed Aziz and Khalil Islam, who died in 2009. On Thursday, Manhattan District Attorney Cy Vance apologized in court to Aziz and the family of Islam. Vance also called out former FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover. We have obtained dozens and dozens of reports from the FBI and the NYPD's Bureau of Special Services and Investigations. These records include FBI reports of witnesses who failed to identify Mr. Islam and who implicated other subjects and suspects. And significantly, we now have reports revealing that on orders from Director J. Edgar Hoover himself, the FBI ordered multiple witnesses not to tell police or prosecutors that they were, in fact, FBI informants. Many of those documents were exculpatory. None of them were disclosed to the defense. That was the Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus Vance speaking through his mask. 83-year-old Mohammed Aziz also addressed the court. He was jailed for almost two decades for the killing of Malcolm X before being released on parole in 1985. He's been fighting to clear his name ever since. Listen carefully, because he, too, is wearing a mask. The event that brought us to court today should never have occurred. Those events were and are the result of a process that was corrupt to its core, one that was all too familiar to black people in 2021. While I do not need this court, these prosecutors, or a piece of paper to tell me I'm innocent, I am very glad that my family, my friends, and the attorneys who have worked and supported me all of these years are finally saying the truth that we have all known, officially recognized. I am an 83-year-old man who was victimized by the criminal justice system. I do not know how many more years of creative activity I have. However, I hope the same system that was responsible for this travesty of justice also takes responsibility for the immeasurable harm to me the last 55 or 56 years. Aziz speaking Thursday in a New York courtroom. So two of the three men arrested and sent to prison for the assassination of Malcolm X, Muhammad Aziz, who just spoke, and Khalil Islam, who passed in 2009, exo- exonerated by New York City they basically came out and said hey you know what we recognize that you guys didn't have anything to do with this you guys weren't even there I believe Muhammad Aziz was at home on 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 the couch he so he wasn't even there Khalil Islam didn't have anything to do with it when Malcolm X got shot in the Audubon Ballroom in 1965 there was nine undercover FBI agents there don't know how many undercover New York City police officers were there. Probably a number of them as well. It was nine undercover FBI agents there. They saw everything that happened. They saw who did it. The real trigger man, the man who shot Malcolm X with the shotgun, he never got arrested. You can look up who he is. People know who he is. He passed away. Have you ever seen the documentary Who Killed? Well, you need to watch the documentary on Netflix Who Killed Malcolm X. Excellent scholarship excellent work and it pretty much 
proves what black people have been saying for the last 50 years that they didn't that they got the wrong guys one of the men who was arrested and charged he was actually involved in the shooting he admitted he was involved in the shooting on the stand he testified that those other two guys didn't have nothing to do with it they still threw all of them in prison i don't think it's a coincidence that when Malcolm X was assassinated and all those undercover police officers were there, I don't think it's a coincidence that the man who actually shot him was able to walk out the ballroom and never get arrested for the killing of Malcolm X. I don't think that was an accident. And I also think don't think it was an accident that two men that didn't have anything to do with it, one that wasn't even there, was arrested and thrown in prison and convicted for the assassination of Malcolm X. I think that was a coordinated effort. I don't think white people are ignorant when it comes to racism. I think that was done on purpose. I think they let the trigger man go on purpose. I think they may have even been, had a coordinated effort with the trigger man to say, hey, this is how it's going to go down. You do this and we'll let you go. I think it was coordinated i don't think it was an accident i don't think they dropped it was a oopsie i don't think it was a mistake i don't think it was oh well you know all you muslim uh niggers look alike you know y'all got these funny names uh you know we, we just got confused no <laughs> i don't believe in any of that at all what i do believe is we will never know the number of black people that have been victimized and abused by the so-called justice system of the United States of America, we have no idea the number of black people whose lives have been destroyed. As that brother stated, he don't need no piece of paper. He don't need no judge to make a speech. He don't need no press conference to know that he didn't do it. He know he ain't do it. He know. But he's just happy that the state of New York publicly acknowledges he didn't do it for his family, basically, for his family, for his kids, for his grandkids, for all the people that supported him, for all the people that been by his side, for them to get a public apology from the, from, from the state to say, hey, this was wrong. You were a victim of racism and we recognize you ain't do it. Now, I notice that systematically, systemically, America is very good at slapping charges on the brother and waiting, you know, 50 55 60 years wait until you're 85 years old to acknowledge oh yeah that was racism oh yeah that was wrong they're very good at passing and enforcing jim crow laws and then you know 70 years later making a documentary saying how wrong it was and how they shouldn't have did it they're very good at admitting they're wrong after the fact but what does that really do what i mean he'll never get get, get that time back he got arrested in 1965. He got released in 1985. He did 20 years. Imagine how different your life would be right now if you spent the last 20 years in prison. Act like today is the first day you got out of prison after the last 20 years. How different would your life be? How are you going to live your life and you did 20 years for murder? Officially, it says you did 20 years for the murder of Malcolm X. What you going to do? All right, two big court verdicts came down this past week. Let's deal with a uh, killer cow first. Will rise and face the jury and hearken to its verdicts. A dangerous vigilante or someone acting in self-defense. 
After 26 hours, the jury decided Kyle Rittenhouse's fate. We, the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. The 12 men and women of the jury accepted the teenager's claim he killed out of fear for his safety. Somehow, some way, those 12 jurors again found that he was innocent. Let's just look at this logically, guys. I don't believe Kyle Rittenhouse went out there with an AR-15 to clean up graffiti and to pass out medical supplies. Okay? He's not a doctor. He's not a nurse. He don't have no medical training. And when the, the medical supplies he was passing out was, was bottles of water. <laughs> That's not medical supplies. He went out there looking to get into a confrontation with protesters. And to shoot them under the protection of the self-defense laws that are catered for whites only. Tell me a time in American history when a black person went somewhere with an assault rifle, shot and killed people, and beat the charge saying it was self-defense. This case was about I'm white and I say so. In Wisconsin, the law has no problem with a white person walking around in the street with a loaded assault rifle striped, strapped to his chest. But if a black person was to do the exact same thing, the police aren't going to ride past you and give you a thumbs up. I'm talking to my black people specifically. Remember, Philando Castillo was shot just for telling the police he had a gun. And he was a legal gun owner. He had a license to carry. Here's what this case is about. The block is the block is kind of hot for cops right now. Shooting people. Especially with, with Derek Chauvin getting convicted for killing George Floyd. So this case is really a dog whistle to race soldiers who, who, who aren't police officers. Telling them they can pick up their guns. They can go to a protest. They can shoot and kill people. Then come up with any type of lie saying they were, you know, defending public property, even though they don't own the property. They were trying to stop looters, even though it's not their stuff being looted. They were acting in self-defense, even though they brought a loaded weapon to a protest with it strapped to their chest. Harassing people, telling them what to do and what not to do. Remember, there's, Kyle Ritt there's video of Kyle Rittenhouse harassing people before the shooting start. There's a video of him running up on a, on, on a black guy asking him if, if he needs medical supplies. And the black you can hear the black guy in the video. He's like, hey, man, I know you. You was the one telling me to get off the street, holding your gun, telling me what I could and couldn't do. So he was out there harassing people. And he's not a cop. This case is really to tell all white supremacists that the real purge is on. And if there's a protest in your city, grab your gun, go out, start shooting. And the cops in the court will be on your side if you're in Wisconsin. That's what this case was about. Now, let's go down to Georgia where some actual justice was served. I'm going to go ahead and address each one of these verdict forms separately. 
first verdict form I have is the state of Georgia versus Travis McMichael. Mr. McMichael, please stand. Verdict is as follows. In the Superior Court of Glenn County, state of Georgia, the state of Georgia versus Travis McMichael, case number CR000433. Jury verdict form. Count one, malice murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count two, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count three, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count four, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count five, felony murder. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count six, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count seven, aggravated assault. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count eight, false imprisonment. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Count nine, criminal attempt to commit a felony. We, the jury, find the defendant, Travis McMichael, guilty. Dated this 24th day of November, 2021, signed by the four person. That was the sentence of Travis McMichael. I won't play the clip of all three defendants, but being sentenced, but all three of them were found guilty on they got they all got hit with 27 charges. They were found guilty of all but four of the 27. They should be going to prison for a nice, nice, nice long time. They earned all those charges. Everybody knows Ahmaud Arbery is dead because they murdered him. They were so guilty they didn't even have a defense. One of the defense lawyers, I think for the for the dad, got up and said he knew Ahmaud Arbery was guilty of committing a crime because he was running with no socks on. Their defense was no socks. No socks and dirty toenails. That's how they knew he, he was committing a crime. Well, the jury wasn't buying that one. When they called 911 and they played this clip in the trial, they called 911 and 911 said, what's the emergency? They said it's a black man running down the street. They chased Ahmaud Arbery down with loaded firearms. The dad was in the back of the truck. They cornered him. Ahmaud Arbery ran for his life for more than five minutes when he couldn't run no more. The son jumped out with a loaded shotgun, pointed with pointing it, pointing it at Ahmaud Arbery. When Ahmaud Arbery tried to take the shotgun away, he shot him. All right, that's murder. That's what happened. A lot of people probably didn't didn't catch this. Notice how. When they was chasing Ahmaud Arbery, the dad jumped in the back of the pickup truck. Why did he jump in the back of the pickup truck? That's actually an old tactic. When they was chasing down black people, one person jumps in the back of the pickup truck with loaded firearm. Because when you're in the back of the pickup truck, the person can't get to you. And you can either shoot down at them or you can shoot over the top of the pickup truck and hit them so that's a tactic that they used to hunt down black people that's what the clan used to do race soldiers used to do that when they was trying to lynch a negro and they was running from them 
That's a tactic. That's why he jumped in the back of the pickup truck. Justice was actually served in this case. This case, the jury made up of 11 white people, which I was very nervous about. One black person, one of the trial lawyers, even though they stacked the deck and damn near got rid of every black person from the jury. He still had a complaint because he said he wanted more Bubba's on the jury. When asked what that meant, he said he needed more uncollege educated white men seven out of the 11 jurors were actually college educated white women he wanted uncollege educated white men specifically middle age this is what he was well, this is what he was saying i need more racist white men on this jury to make sure i get a guilty verdict well it didn't work out in their favor this time these guys were so guilty they didn't even have a good defense all right. This whole narrative of they thought Ahmad Arbery stole something. Look, that video they keep showing of Ahmad Arbery walking into an empty house, not stealing anything. That wasn't even the same day. That video was taken like two months before the day he was murdered. They just keep playing that to try to piece together a narrative that he walked into an empty house, look around, they saw him, and then he started running away. So they chased him because they were suspicious about what he was doing. That's not what happened. They had they never had any knowledge of Ahmaud Arbery going into an empty house and looking around. Never. They said themselves the first time they ever saw Ahmaud Arbery was when he was just running down the street. They didn't know anything about anything. They just saw a black man running down the street. So good job, Burns with Georgia. Y'all put pressure on this case. Y'all got it tried. Let's not forget the police officers that reported to the scene after Ahmaud Arbery was murdered. They didn't even arrest these guys. They let these guys go home. Two prosecutors down in Brunswick, Georgia, looked at this video and didn't prosecute the case. They said nothing, nothing wrong happened. That's kind of funny that the police officer said, you know, nothing, no, no, no law was broken. Two prosecutors looked at the video, didn't see anything wrong with it. It goes to trial and they get convicted of murder. So I guess something was actually wrong. I guess a law might have been broken in spite of the system. So many people are happy that the right verdict came down, that justice was served because justice was served in spite of the systemic racism going on down there. Remember, remember, they told his mom that he was a burglar and he got shot in the act of committing a crime. Gotta have long memories, guys. I don't forget none of this stuff. Here's a parting thought. We are audience for the thinkers. We think here. A lot of people think that the justice system in America is broken. Let me leave you with this. The justice system in America has always worked the way it was supposed to. Kyle Rittenhouse shot and killed all those people and he got off. The judge said he didn't do nothing wrong. Two men who didn't have anything, two black men who didn't have anything with the murder of Malcolm X were thrown in prison for 20 years and their lives was thrown away. One of them died in 2009 before he was exonerated. The other one had to wait till he was an 83 year old man before he can get justice. 
1965 was a long time ago. The system works the way it was designed to. The system's not broken. This is the way things are supposed to work in America. Here's the case of the broken system. Down in Brunswick, Georgia, them three white men actually got convicted for killing that for killing a black man. That's when the system's actually broken. Because that's never supposed to happen. This has been the Unprocessed Knowledge Podcast. Catch you next time.